everybody. Just a quick trigger warning. Sarah is a forensic researcher who works with violent sex offenders. Our conversation goes all over the place and wanted to throw that out there. If that's not for you, catch us on the next episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Contingency Click. Today, we have a published author in something that I will never understand, quantum physics. She is a forensic researcher, a published author, and a photographer. Sarah, welcome. Hello, hello. We, I'm excited. Off, off topic, we just reviewed how to say Sarah's last name. And in my introduction, I had a like, Stacy, it's 9.30 at night and you forgot already how to say it. And see, this is the things that freaking happened to me. So I was like, ah, I'm just going to yeah. say Sarah. Mind blank. It's so, just Sarah. It's just Sarah. Just, or paranormal Sarah yeah. for the weird people. We are or weird. Or Sarah Soderland. Yeah, however you want. But I love There's that. a whole army of Sarahs, so. Isn't that funny, us. though, that I, I literally just was like, okay, I'm going to do my due diligence here and... Okay, whatever. That's just the kind of day we're having. We were, we were, we, yeah, you're my kind of people. We were talking about the simulation. All right, so I'm so excited. We, the, the universe was not letting us get together. We had life happen, all the things, but we're here. So my reasoning behind wanting to chat with you for so many reasons and then looking at all your notes. First of all, talk to me about the fact that you have published things in quantum physics is that even like a real thing it is which is kind of funny because it's it's not at all and and it really puts me in a tight spot like for real oh brother we're out there tight spot when this like physics majors math majors people that i would say are very far more advanced down the trail (laughs) uh than i could ever hope to be um but as far as like the the basic steps of physics and quantum theories and things. And this was about 10 years ago that I started writing it. It was a friend of mine who is a physics and like physics engineer and coder and like really smart guy. And he was like, I've always wanted to write a book on this, but I just, (sighs) that it was kind of (laughs) one of those moments. And we were sitting and we were seated, seated, we were seated together um, at a conference and I was like, well, I would like to write a book on that, but I just don't think people would be interested. And sure enough, our, you know, the publisher that I'd written other books with, they were like, no one is interested. Um, so <laughs> we funded it ourselves and published it ourselves. And it was something that was kind of just a little a baby of a book that for people in metaphysical realms or people in the paranormal realms yeah. or people in like the end of life, near death experiences, kind of consciousness mm-hmm. discussions, I wanted something to be like, well, you know, it could be, it could be string theory. It could be observation theory. It could just be the fact that, you know, and, and I often would lose people there. And Mm -hmm. I thought, why am I losing people here? This is relevant. Um, I may not fully, and we may not fully understand the depths of it, but it's definitely relevant here. So for me, it was just something to, to write down as a reference for people that were really interested in learning more to be able to have the opportunity to do so. And I'm glad I did it, but I was hesitant to write that because as all scientific publications go, the moment you publish it, it's like driving off the lot. It's irrelevant. And so it terribly needs like a 17th edition to it because physics is finding new things every day and gravitational pulls and all sorts of things that I, I wish someone would pay me to learn (laughs) about that. Don't you wish, I always say, if someone would just pay for me to go to school forever, I would just be anyone that, that would be my thing yeah anyone out there want to fund our education and life forever um 
Yeah, I just thought I thought that was interesting, and I I wanted to bring it back to what you just said. How cool is it that I've been doing all this work and like finding my values and like all these things, and it's like you just said like no one wanted to do it, so like I said screw it, like I'm gonna fund it myself. Like that's that's pretty badass. So really cool to find that out too. But looking at all of your stuff, I was like okay, so like how's our conversation gonna go? Where do I want to go with this? Like I knew we were gonna kind of do like a Halloween episode. This was gonna be this week, and so I said like. Okay, when I look at your background on paper, which obviously means nothing because you can on paper nothing. versus life, right? I, same <laughs> for me. It's like master's in forensic psychology, right? Like worked in law enforcement, sex offense counselor, like all these things. Like crazy background, all these things. Like how did I want to go with this? Well, my first question. <laughs> my first question is going to be a funny one for me is working in this field with like paranormal stuff or like forensic psychology and all these things. Is it anything like criminal mind, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, sometimes, sometimes cool. it is. That's not I the answer like, I expected to be honest. Right. It didn't. Okay. So I feel like there was, I was definitely um, further influenced by CSI Las Vegas, I think was okay. what was on when I was going through like my undergraduate. And I was like, oh, I just really hope that it's that way. Like that would be so cool. And it wasn't. So then I had like the <laughs> deflation of reality where they were like, um, you just look at the bullet and that you don't ever, you're not a detective. Yeah. You're not chasing anyone like, down. <laughs> you are not piecing this together. Right. And that's what I like to do. So being at boundaries, you know, working in law enforcement and wanting to help, wanting to do more, wanting yeah. to get the child a coat while they're waiting for their parents to be arrested from the meth lab. Like, you know, like boundaries was constantly um, present. Mm. And I just kind of feel like, okay, this is, this is not what I expected on TV. They don't show that kind of stuff. Sure. But then on the hindsight, when you start getting into like the theories and you start getting into the people who've been in the field and it's kind of a small community and, you know, online forums mm -hmm. and you get into the really fun relationships with weird, quirky people Love that, that have like human skeletons in their living room and shit, weird, <laughs> cool people. Yes. But, but then also it gets more specialized as you go down the road and you do get more say. Like, right. you know, when I was in the beginnings, I felt like I was just constantly bumbling around mm -hmm. now that I have found a niche and now that I have that interest and can fine tune the niche with purpose mm -hmm. it is kind of like the show because it's it, the detective work comes down to like who the heck am I going to be right not the cases that I might be working it's it's me and so now it's now it's back to the this is fun. This yeah. is cool. Like, you know, today I went to a probations association conference and listened to people talk about what they like to do about their job. And right. I was like, tell me how the breathalyzer really works. How can I not fake it? You know, like yeah. I, I just really love it. The system. Yeah. And it's yeah. funny because it's funny you say like quirky niche people. It's like, I'm, I was a sped teacher, right? Then I became a behavior, behavior analyst and my, my passion is like, just like people, like behavior, like people, like what we're doing, like weird shit that happens and why is it happening and can I psychoanalyze all of this? And so like, we always laugh and say like, we love criminal minds and I, and I love it because they're just trying to figure out, I always, I was the kid who went to the, well, 
backstory my wife will never go to a haunted house anything scary hates it will not just nothing like doesn't like it yeah yeah doesn't like it i love that shit so i was the kid though that was like i went to in college i remember going to a haunted house okay it was in pennsylvania it was an old asylum we waited in line forever we got inside and the first room was a room that had it only closed in like 80 something i mean i think i was just a few years old when it was you know born whatever and there was these pictures on the wall and i was so enthralled it was a waiting room you weren't supposed to stay there long but I was there for so long and this lady who actually worked there she came up and she's like do you have questions and I was like oh my god yeah like like what is this picture of this child on the wall and she was like that's um you know, Sally or whatever, and she was dropped off when she was a baby, and nothing was actually wrong with her, and we actually, her diagnosis was actually institutionally retarded, which obviously we don't use that word anymore, but that's what they, that's what they called her, because she learned her behavior from these people that were in this institution. I wasn't worried about the crazy, like, people grabbing my legs and this. I'm looking at, like, ooh, look at that incinerator. I wonder what happened in that room. Where's that restraint? Like, that shit is the brain and people. I love that. So I'm on your page for that stuff. Tell me, so looking at your background, I know we talked about like kind of, kind of, you know, learned behavior and all of that stuff. Talk to me about what got you here. Like what was your process in making you be one of these weird people who wanted to do this stuff? You know, I think, well, and I know that, uh, I know that my partner would agree. I believe that most people in forensic psychology, especially we are crazy (laughs) and we want to know why. So, and, and it really is our own case study of, of ourselves and the people in our lives. So So in short, I, I grew up with, um, a mother who was a, a wild gypsy woman and she was a performer. She was a singer and she was an addict. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like this really hardworking Christian man who like was swept away by the small town, you know, red haired woman who went to the big city. Well, they got divorced, but, <laughs> um, they did have me. And so I came from a broken home. I, my mom being someone who was always on stage and then on a certain drug, like I didn't have a lot of curiosity like my peers did. Mm-hmm. I wanted to understand, you know, why my mom, who was very psychic and a gifted empath, also hearing voices for all sorts of other reasons, sure. <clears throat> um, she was always very successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, by by some people's standards, people like wanted her autograph, and and I didn't understand that because she wasn't showing up at, at my you know, kindergarten meetings and she was a different person to me. Mm -hmm. So perspectives really became important. And I think in a divorce too, where you have somebody saying like, well, you know, your dad, he's at work when he could be with you. Like those manipulation tactics and learning that like, well, that's not true, but it is true, but it's not true. Right. And or it's maneuvering through how you take it. Right. Like how you, right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maneuvering through that, then you get to like, you know, in high school, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? And I, I actually wanted to go into law enforcement. I wanted to go into the military. I wanted to do military police and I wanted to work as a mortuary person. I remember the scene and I think it's uh, gone in 60 seconds with Nicolas Cage and one of the characters, he's like a mute working in the mortuary place with his sandwich. And I just really connected with that character. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's me. Like what he's doing and uh holly berry in a movie gothica 
was it Gothica? I think it was Gothica. Uh, is my brain losing it? Um, but in that movie, she was a forensic psych person too, like walking in an old asylum yeah. alone in the night and no one bothered her. And she just was talking with people that were kind of weirder than her. And I was like, oh, look, that's, it. that's what I need to do. <laughs> and um, I wasn't sure how to navigate that at right. all. I was hit with a lot of people saying like, oh, sweetheart. You don't want to go into law enforcement. Oh, my God. You know, you definitely you. You're a small statured woman. You don't want to do that. And I did. I wanted to do that. So it fueled me even more so to want to go that direction. But I did get a lot of no's. Like I went to the Kansas City Police Department. They told me no because I had smoked marijuana once in my sophomore year of high school. And I didn't lie about it. So I should lie about it. How dare you? You know? How dare I? And at that time, it was a really big deal, okay? Yeah. And so they told me no. And then I went to the FBI, and I was like, I'm going to work here. And they were like, oh, you speak French. We need you to speak Arabic or something else. And I was like, oh, no. Um, well, I'm a psychology student. And they were like, oh, well, we, we were looking for computer. <laughs> come come back another year. Yeah, try again and later. <laughs> and my ego was like, what do you mean come back another year? I'm supposed to be working for yeah. you, you idiots. Yeah. Like, hire me. Um <clears throat> So then I went to work as a psych tech and I worked also as a retail manager for Sprint. And so I did retail, which I think if anybody works retail, that's basic psychology. For sure. Oh my gosh, for sure. It is literally like a a crash course in figuring people out. That's all it is. And having to deal with no, Mm -hmm. or I'm the most important person in the world Mm -hmm. and you just don't understand and people pleasing and craziness. But um, I, I didn't... I, I just, no one was ever really supportive of me going this route and including my own voices oftentimes, but I kind of just stuck with it. And, and there was a moment a few years ago, um, cause I was out of Minneapolis and Minneapolis was like on fire and it was kind of a, a scary time. And my family, we moved, um, to a little bit safer space at the time. And I was going to a therapist as a therapist, I was going to a therapist and aren't we all? And my therapist had said like, what are you really upset about? And I was really upset because I'd taken a break in work and she was like, well, what's the big deal? So, you know, your mom, your wife, like you're taking a break. What's the big deal? And I, I had a reflection of like, well, th- there was a time there was a young Sarah where, you know, I had called the police in a domestic dispute with my parents mm-hmm. and the police officer didn't respond, uh, the way that, I had thought they would and the experience wasn't what I remembered that I wanted it to be. And so I kind of had promised a younger version of myself that like, I'm going to change this process somehow. You know, that was like my little personal vendetta. And I really feel like if I'm not working in some way, shape or form, you know, in social services or forensics that I'm not doing my due diligence to heal Mm. my own things, which may or may not be the best reason to go into this field. But I I can like relate to that. And I feel like a lot of people listening, because we have a lot of people from a lot of different fields, you know, we are those type of people, right? Like we want to work in a field, whether it be because you went through that and you're trying to change the, you know, the system, or if it's just like, you just have this empathic nature of like, I'm here to figure it out and have, and there's also the control issue. I know I'm, I'm, I, I, I won't, my anxiety is bred by control, right? I'm like, I'm not a good partner. I'm just a really good, like manipulator of the situation to be the way that we need it to be. But that's all this stuff, right? Like why are people thinking the things it's all related? So whether or not 
My wife can sit in the other room and say she hates scary stuff, but listen, like, we all have, like, brains are wild, right? Like, the world, people are, people are wild. So, we got here, you know, going from, like, like you said, like, in your notes, like, patient to doctor, right? You're trying to figure yourself out. It's, it's, it's a tough road. (laughs) I don't know where I'm at some days, but yes. (laughs) I know, people are like, you have it together. I'm like, I don't have it together. So, currently... Talk to me about, like, what what's your current positioning look like in terms of what you're doing in the field? Yeah. So um, I went, gosh, I took so many different positions. I feel like it started as, like, a psych tech and then a CNA, and then I did counseling work, and I was an addiction counselor, and then blah, 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 blah <laughs> to <forward>. here, yeah. <laughs> where... Um, when I wake up and I go to work, I'm working as a forensic counselor for a private company that kind of broke off from the public sector. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a really interesting experience because I work specifically with like level three violent sex offenders. So mm-hmm. it's usually the people who have gotten discharged from a program or kicked out of a program or they're just unable to even go to a group facilitated program because they are a violent sex offender and they're not allowed to be around other people. Yeah. Um, and we follow kind of an interesting, there's, you know, it's social service is so funny in the state of Minnesota, there's only so many, you know, resources and sometimes those resources fight with each other. And sometimes it's a fight for grant money. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like a really weird business machine is operating somewhere on the political mountaintop. And we often, I feel like I'm hearing it in the distance, like a dystopic film. I hear it screeching (laughs) very close. Um, And I know that I can't necessarily stop it, but I can at least help my clients facilitate and work through it and like work with their support team to navigate it as best as possible. Mm -hmm. But we, we offer it the the program I work at. It's, it's 18 months. If you're working it, (laughs) if you're doing it, some clients, if you're doing it. Yeah. And that means, you know, because a lot of high risk people, you know, sometimes they're homeless. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're relapsing. Sometimes they're back in prison. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they are in prison. Sometimes they are going to be on probation for life and they just are in a maintenance yeah. space. And I find that sex offenses, it's interesting because I definitely didn't plan to go into that. I was going to ask you if that was something that you like even thought you'd be doing. Yeah. No, I, I wanted to be working, my dissertation is on psychopathy because I really wanted to work with the psychopathic mindset and antisocial personality disorder in less of a subjective way because so often I was seeing the assessments of that be like a questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, aren't we saying these people are highly navigatable and manipulative and you're answering a question? Like, wait a minute. Is there a book on this on how to, they know the questions and they're just going to figure this out before we do. Yeah. And they do. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, wait a minute, isn't psychopathy something we can do? And like the neuropsychology is amazing and like blood work. And it's like that old myth of like, well, I went to the doctor and they told me I had depression and my hormones are out of whack. And they're like, really? They measured your hormones? No, they just looked at me. And it's like, wow, your doctor's amazing. That's how people are right now in psychopathy. And in my egotistical mind, I was like, I'm going to be the one to spearhead the fact that you should be like pricked or looked at in another way. And that's where I was going. Right. And there's no jobs there uh, <laughs> because no one gives a crap yeah. about the violent offenders really they kind of get thrown in the hole sure. literally physically metaphorically yep. and usually get worse mm-hmm. and when the money runs out they just kind of 
Yeah, they don't know. You know, do one of these. And so I kind of just went where the demand was and said, okay, give me the worst you got. If that's, you know, nobody else will work with them. And it was kind of one of those, it was a personal challenge. It was also an opportunity. It was also them being like, listen, this is where all the antisocial personality people are. So if you want to gain experience in this realm, you want to get the letters behind your name, get in the trash, you know? And so (laughs) here I am, you know, working with these violent sex offenders, but years into it, I, I really like it. I, I've, you know, the abuse cycle, it is a carousel. Mm -hmm. And so you can get on board with seeing all the stories in their life and they're people, you know, and they're, they're not all pedophiles. I mean, some are, but I think that's the biggest misconception is that many of the sex offenders I work with would be pedophiles and that that would be really difficult, Mm -hmm. which it is and can be, but the majority of them are not like some, I mean, I even have some clients who or, you know, have raped their wives or their partners and they're still married. Wow. And they're registered sex offenders, you know, because of domestic disputes that go awry in the night with whiskey, you know, things that happen. And uh, they're real stories of where people's lives are affected for life and they need treatment too. So that's where I come in. So your position is to, you're facilitating like treatment of these people through that, that program we're talking about. Do you find yourself, I mean, I guess... A good question would be to kind of clarify too. A big myth would be obviously you're thinking that these people are pedophiles because that's like the scariest, most horrific thing that you're thinking of when you think of it, right? Mm-hmm. What would you, could you think of any that would be like other myths? If people were saying like, oh, Sarah works with sex offenders, like people are going to think pedophiles, people are going to think what else? Well, I mean, I get more, I would say I probably get more dick pics than the average woman, maybe <laughs> because of my profession, because people think that by working with sex offender or sex offender specialist, that I'm a sex specialist or that like, Could I must really like to be choked out or attacked in the night. Um, so that's probably like the weirdest byproduct of this position that I've noticed where people are like, you just like working with the bad boys, don't you? And I'm like, you know, I have women too. Yeah. And, um, that's not it. Uh, it. I mean, that's not it. And that is, that is something that I find interesting. Um, there's also, there's also a lot of the like retaliation cases where, you know, I'm 18, she was 17 Mm. or vice versa. And the mom didn't want us dating, or she tried to get me kicked out of the military or to keep me from going in the military. Ah! Uh, Those cases where, That didn't occur to me until I started working in this niche where people will use label defenses as a way to navigate, like, not having to do things. And that, to me, is, like, the same weirdness of people accruing as many STDs as possible. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, Maria, don't you want it? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Not my simulation. Um, Not today. No, thank you. Not. Nope. Yeah, Yeah. I mean – I didn't think I, those are, and that's why I asked. I was like, I bet that there's weird things. I wasn't thinking dicks, pe- dick pics would be in this conversation, but that makes sense. They're there. Um, They're always there. <laughs> so when you're going into work and you're dealing with people who may have, you know, maybe one of these like retaliation things, maybe one of the, the worst of the worst, how are you navigating your brain? So like your behavior, like when you first started versus now, I'm sure things have changed, right? Because obviously that progresses and you, you learn to, to handle and deal and compartmentalize or whatever. But how does that work for someone just like dealing with that every day? Like, I mean, every profession has a, a sense of that, right? Like mm-hmm. I, deal, I deal with kids with autism and then things happen and I'm dealing with families and sure. But like my mom's a sane nurse. She does sexual assault kits like in the ER for kids that are three years old sometimes. Like it can be 
terrible. How do you navigate that for yourself in this position? Mm, that's a really good question. I, oh, it's going to, it'll sound so cliche, but as it rolls off my mouth, it, it really is the honest truth of like, I really choose to count my blessings and put those forward. So like each day when I start, I, I mean, I do love my job. Yeah. And so when I think back to like, you know, when I go to that high school reunion and people ask like, I bet you're not doing that one job, that crazy thing. And I'd be like, ha ha, I am. <laughs> um, like there's a part of me that I do love my job. So I, I go into it with that, but then I think, okay, I can't disclose anything about myself. I can't put myself at risk. Mm. I have to build rapport with someone and empathize with someone without ever letting them know that maybe I am married. Maybe I am a mom that is not relevant to this treatment. So you will never know. Yeah. And that I have to navigate those kind of things. So I'm usually like almost predicating like what it is that I know that I have to keep myself out of the conversation. That's mm. really difficult. Yeah. And so I usually am like using props or I am using jewelry. I'm pretty spiritual. So I love like the idea of alchemy or certain stones being near me or certain objects that I can anchor or focus on when things get wild that my brain needs to dissociate. Because mm. sometimes I do. Like sometimes in an assessment, someone, you know, thinking of a, you know, a mother going through whether or not she has postnatal depression, her baby is screaming at her. She can't handle the screaming of the baby and she ends up like biting the jugular of the baby. Like I remember was one moment that A I was legitimate like legitimate real story. Right. Right. Oh. And okay. I remember like looking at the wallpaper and being like, <sighs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and just, thinking like, I need to know this information. I don't need to feel this information. Wow. Yeah. And that separation of like the knowledge and the feeling, I, I keep it here. That's a skill. And I like wear a necklace and say like, yeah, I'm not swallowing that. Mm. I don't need to. Yeah. This is, this is, this, that's, that's heavy. Yeah. I can see where, I mean, and I didn't even think of the part of like, safety where like you're you're not gonna disclose these things about yourself because I feel like <laughs> I would be terrible at your job I'm such an open book I'd be like well and blah blah I mean I can tell you're definitely right right you want to you 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 want you, you know you're extroverted you're personable you want to meet you could want to connect with people and you connect through yeah you know you're, you're especially anti-social people that are like what are you eating Sarah because I had a moment with like your coffee cup, they write your name on your coffee cup and it says what rotisserie uh, it is. And I was drinking my coffee and it didn't occur to me. And they're like, what are you drinking? It was like, I, you will not have any of this information. A fucking drink. that got my name on it. It's like, <laughs> like you have these moments of like, wow, I really do give away a lot of myself, but that boundary moment, um, kind of redefining boundaries where mm. as, as a, a once victim myself, you learn that maybe boundaries are okay. Like a permission pass, like I give you permission or it's like an acceptance moment when really 
you know, boundaries are, are like a lock on the, I almost think of it as like a lock on the door to protect things, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that analogy of, of you do that to things that you love. Like you give boundaries to things that you love. You tell your dog, this is the fence and this is the line and please don't go into traffic. Like this is the line mm-hmm. and boundaries are a good thing. And I didn't have very good boundaries going into this job. And I learned my lesson getting here. I'm through like, sure. Through trial and error. Sure. I, and I, right. I, I am obviously not in your position, but I, I've, I've been going through my own like mental health, like life journey and really focusing on myself in the last, you know, few months for sure. Since moving from Boston to Savannah and I, um, boundaries are huge like just trying to be like they they, they are they're important and you you need to protect yourself because if you don't protect yourself you can't we can't do the work we want to do right right so right oh my gosh wow like I could probably just listen to you speak for hours because my brain when you just told the story about the mom and the thing my brain I'm I don't know sometimes I'm my wife is like are you for real last night we're laying in bed and I'm reading this book for this like project I'm doing and um, I was like, did you know that Jeffrey Dahmer was the only serial killer actually with blah, blah, blah. And she's like, did you just state that fact? And I was like, yeah, I did. Yeah. And I was excited about it, but you know, whatever. Yeah. But, like, I love that. Like, I don't, I don't, I guess, I guess my, my way of he- handling it, I think, and obviously I'm not in your shoes, would be this kind of the same, like separate it. But instead of the feeling being like the, the thing that happened and then like, but why? Like, but why, what, why did we get there? Like, God, like, I think of so many things, like, in that moment, like, God, how sick was she, right, to be able to have to do that, like, and don't even get me started, which I'm sure, like, I'm gonna open this can of worms with you, but the system is just fucking broken, like, whether it be mental health, whether it be offenders, whether it be anything, we're just, like, set up to fail, like, we can't, we can't win, so doing your part is amazing and trying to say these are the shittiest people that people are going to think, right? These are people that people are going to call the bottom of the barrel, but what are we going to do with them? Just, you right. know, we can, we're we going to say they're bad and we're just going to not do anything for them. Well, okay, let, let's try to do what we can. So right. talk to me about while you're doing this, something that I came up in your notes that I, I didn't know what it was. You wrote about, um, the Duluth model for domestic violence, right? And trying to kind of bring that into sex offenders. Tell me, I did some research on looking at, because I had never heard about it when I saw your <clears throat> your um, notes. So tell me a little bit about it. So this is kind of, this is an interesting thing because I have, joining into the sex offense treatment and the domestic violence treatment, this is like a, word that people throw around all the time and not originally having done treatment um I wasn't familiar with it myself I had only kind of heard it spoken and in law enforcement I am originally from Kansas City and so Kansas City Chicago and Minneapolis have this like triangle of research that they do with their departments in law enforcement Mm -hmm. right and a lot of the really kind of wild and cool experiments (laughs) wink wink that happen between metropolises that happened in these three cities and the Duluth model at that time was kind of research based for like the gender bias when police officers are showing up and our first responders Ah. are showing up to a domestic dispute. You're, you know, automatically assuming that the female is the victim, that the male is the perpetrator and that you're determining power and control and that there's like this power and control wheel. 
and it was for law enforcement officers that I was familiar with. That was all I had known about it. Right. And then coming to work um, with this company, they were like, well, domestic violence predominantly facilitates one method and one method only. If you're going to have anger management, it's usually an eight-week session, and a judge will be like, anger management to you. And then that person goes and does anger management. And that really is not always, you know, eight weeks to solve like your deep seated, like anger concerns that might be resentment or whatever. It's not working. It wasn't working. It isn't working and it doesn't work. I mean, sure. People go to prison and think I'm never doing that again. And that really is a big part of the recidivism. Mm -hmm. But then the domestic violence model, the Duluth model. So out of Minnesota, (laughs) these people in the eighties, They're like, look at this research. Let's put it together with the power and control model. And they've established the power and control model. And the training is really great. And the people are right right down the street here in Minnesota. And they're they're really collaborative with like our team because a lot of the original founders are retiring. Mm. So they're like handing it off. But it's now almost an international thing, which is weird and wild to me that people from like Australia are like, you are in Minnesota where the Duluth model is from. And that's just like so wild to me. It's funny when it's from your backyard, you know? It's Right. Yeah. Like, you know, Brad Pitt's right over there here in America (laughs) and like everyone's famous. Um, But it's it's really just a method of, of teaching and facilitating usually what is about a 25 week. And that's a statute thing, not a Duluth model thing Mm. of of treatment that it's a group facilitated method. It's usually facilitated between a man and a woman. And that, that, that co-ed facilitation allows for like, don't you think John, I do Shelly. And you're able to model mirror things that like in psychology, when you talk about like operant conditioning and like certain behavioral models, like you actually put it into your methods of facilitating it. And it's meant to, create deductive reasoning for people it's Which it's really hard for <laughs> yeah and it is to instigate what someone comes in doing it's yeah. all her fault she was drunk and she's a whore yeah and being like well you married her so you're <laughs> married to a well, drunk whore yeah. now so like let's go back to when this started that probably wasn't your intention and and then people like have their awakenings and epiphanies in the comfort of of other people also having similar hopefully knock knock uh, spaces yeah. that they can communicate it and it allows for like just a different method of looking at domestic violence in a way that segregates the, the I use my Dana Carvey fingers because there are some Air things quotes. that Sarah is not always a hundred percent on board with, but this is the Duluth model of the victim and the perpetrator Sure, that like, they're like, I thought it was interesting you know. just in looking what I looked up after seeing your notes. It, we use like a lot of things like BST, so behavioral skills, like that model and you're, mm-hmm. you're giving the feedback and all that stuff. And it makes sense. It's kind of the same type of thing. Very so, similar. And it would make sense that you could use that for sex offenders, kind of moving that into that model. The other thing you wrote, I love the word taboo because I always want to read about whatever you write if it says taboo. Yeah. So you wrote about... Um, observational theory and you said it earlier so I was like I don't know what that is I'm gonna look it up so it says and I wrote I have it here violent behavior is learned through um, imitating observed behaviors that we notice in our surrounding environment right so like it says Bandura who Albert Bandura in 1970 connected our brain activity to instinctual responses to the observed actions surrounding us so you said this was taboo tell me more about what you were like what you were meaning well, I think probably the biggest example is how this gets connected to, to the spaces of like cyber psychology, gaming, and mm. the desensitization of like culture to a person's relative behavior. Gotcha. So 
in that like Bandera study, the Bobo doll, and, like the kids, you got these two groups of kids and one of them watched like, you know, Mr. Rogers. And he's like, be kind to your neighbor's kids because that's the thing to do. And all the kids are like, yeah, that's the thing. And then the other classroom, Mr. Rogers is like, fuck those kids, beat them up. <laughs> and is like showing kids beating people up and they're getting candy and they're like, yeah, here, beat them harder. And the kids are like, woo. And then they let the kids go play. And the kids that, you know, watched and are rewarded for yeah. violent behavior were violent. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, I think there's mimicry there. I think there's mirror neurons too. I think there's curiosity and boundaries and sure. people like to just be, you know, terrors that sometimes push the limits. But in essence, I mean, if you're seeing that all the time, kind of like that argument that if, you know, WAP is song of the year, then <laughs> it might desensitize or objectify women in some way because mm-hmm. you're just constantly seeing it. Yeah. And is there some relevance to that? And so that I think gets a little controversial and a little like taboo because mm-hmm. people don't want to admit that a lot of what you see is stimulus that really does mold who you become and how you act. Uh-huh. Yep. We do and... it every day. And it's things I say all the time. Like there's the whole that debate of like, you know, nature, nurture, your world, whatever. It's everything, right? I mean, then there's part of, you can have sides to either 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 side, but we are like, we, there's so, I, I, listen, on this journey of my own for a whole nother day, but like just realizing things, I'm like, whoa, like, Oh my God. Like that makes sense. I had to fill out a, I had to fill out, I'm getting a new therapist. I'm telling you my whole life. See, I, I couldn't do your job. I'm telling you all my shit. I'm like, well, my address is and my social security yes. number also is, um, you're writing it down, but no, I had to fill out this, this thing. And it was like, in your childhood, were you ever spoken to in a, this, were you ever, um, you know, like spanked? And I was like, Oh my God, like if I mark, and then you start to have this like whole psychological, like, like, Oh my God, like if I mark, yes, are they going to think I was like a product of child abuse? And then I'm like, I'm like, no, like uh, all these things. And it's, it is, it's very much like your psyche is saying like, these are all the things that you should be. This is how we learn. We learn how to do things by watching people around us. So if the people are beating the shit out of each other, probably going to end up having that be our reaction. Right. It's a, it's, it's a really big deal. And, and, I will say in school and like in a, in an educational space, I think it's, it's arguable in that nature nurture. And you're like, yes, but it's both and it's all, and it's nothing and all those things. But then there, it was hypnosis that really, that hooked me because learning that like visual auditory or kinesthetic, that like the learning channels of people and that the majority of of people are visual Mm. that like in marketing and business that people are going to see the big text, the medium text, the small, like they're going to read it in that order. Visual creatures. And like seeing that, Oh, this is real. Like McDonald's is using this shit worldwide. He's a billionaire. Like this stuff is real, you know, and manifestation and affirmation and be like, wait a minute, that's just visualization. Like, that's the key. Mm. If people want to know, like, what is the key? Like, that's the key. And so why wouldn't that be relevant to people who find themselves in a crap hole? Like, yeah. it's absolutely visualization is going to be a big part of it, I think. And what have you seen? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a it's a part of it. And I and it's taboo because a lot of people don't want to go down that wormhole. They don't want to admit that what they're watching, you know, that their game that there are 22,000 hours on Halo that's really a good accomplishment (laughs) has probably, like, screwed them up a little bit. And it's their own doing. But, okay, so let me me pose a question then. There's there's that, right? Okay, so this kid, 20,000 hours on Halo, that's where we are. And then he goes and has, like, a mass shooting. But then we want to blame Halo. 
and we don't vote or whatever, yeah. right? But then we have we have soldiers who are in Afghanistan seeing actual people's heads being blown up, and they come back and they have PTSD, and then that's like that's okay, right? But it's it doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't make any sense. It's the same comparison, right? And it's like, what have you seen? What is the experience that you've had? And are you able to regulate how you've processed it? And I think when Man, and that gets so complicated and fun. I know. Because <laughs> when it's when it's a real thing, it's such a mind fuck. Oftentimes, at least veterans that I've worked with and people that have killed people, like mm-hmm. homicidal people, either you have guilt about it or you don't. Yeah. Like you've justified it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And it's such an internal thing at that point that like children watching video games or even adults playing their video games and thinking like, well, that doesn't contribute to my anger. Yeah, it's like quantum mechanics. It's look, guys, we don't know the stuff in the middle, sure. but we know this over here. And it's like eventually, eventually this will make sense. Right. But it, if you know the long game, how many variables do you want to put into the equation? Right. Right. And it's just kind of a fun thing because yeah. we as humans, I think we like to play with fire. We should. That's growth. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's very true, <laughs> especially in today's world. It's just fire right. fires out everywhere. Yeah, and I think it's like we always have this conversation too. A couple of people that I've had this conversation with, it's been like the loudest voice is there, right? Like the 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 loudest opinion is the herd opinion, and we're all gonna jump on that, you know, gang mentality. So if it's like okay, that's the right thing, we're gonna go with that one, and then we're we're doing it. So, and people that gets people in trouble. I'm sure you worked with some that have gotten into the. It does. The <clears throat> it does. Well, and you know, taboo as far as the squeaking machine on the on the hillside over there. Like some theories are more profitable than others. Oh, sure. Yeah. Ones that can be managed with medication are much more profitable <laughs> than ones that can be managed without medication. So there's just ones that seem more able to be documented too, and that's just better for everybody. Mm-hmm. So. Man, if you don't have video, you're just not getting all the feet here. But there is just <laughs> you, you know. like you're the one guest where like we need to see your the hand motions. I'm usually the one that's like everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, we I feel like we could have a three thousand long conversation about you know that. But reading, you know, being a mom, being a wife, being a Virgo, you're an empath for sure. So this is what got you here. I I'm actually a cusp. I have a cusp birthday, so I'm two astrological signs. Mm-hmm. What are you? What is it? I, I am a Aries or a Taurus. <gasps> I'm 420, oh. yeah. So. Oh, you're 420? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Sure am. Man. Yeah. That's rough. So Okay. <laughs> we'll just do the, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everyone's always like, you just have to pick one. And I usually pick which one I like better for the day if I'm looking at a horoscope. Um, But I think that, I don't know what I like fall into more. I think parts of both maybe. I'm not really sure. But man, if I didn't think it would completely discredit me into the mud, I would incorporate astrology into treatment plans ASAP. Really? Because people are really missing a big, yeah. I mean, I predominantly use neurolinguistic programming. I know, like, for any therapists out there that are like, what is your modality? Which I remember the first time I like pooped my pants after grad school and someone's <laughs> like, what's your modality? And I was like, uh, hold on. <laughs> and like went to the bathroom and was like, Google, what is modality mean? And they were like, the way in which you do something. And I was like, what do you mean the way? Uh, but anyway, so like, You're neuro-linguistic, like um, I speak to you. Like, I come to sessions with you. I don't know. 
hope we speak English. Um, I, there's so many different little tools that people will use in, in all the language, but ironically, the language would be what I specialize in. So in neurolinguistics, um, I feel like, you know, there's, there's all these little slippery slopes of what you can and can't say and what you should and shouldn't say and how you say it and these things and that. I don't know where we were going. I completely lost it. Um, I was saying that uh, you were saying that you would incorporate astrology. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Because, thank you. Because, man, a fire sign is going to be completely different. They're going to use like 60% more verbs. An earth sign will use predominantly more nouns. Wait, what am I? And they'll be more rhetorical. Am I? What am I? Am I like, do I have like two signs? Because I have two? I don't even know any of this stuff. but that's what's fascinating is I wonder, and since you're on a podcast and you're a host and all, you have a lot of documented like speech online that we could stop and I could go back and listen. And, and without even knowing your birthday, I would be like, this person is definitely a water sign. And watching the way they move, you can tell if they're cardinal or fixed or mutable with their nonverbal language. Is a- like there's things that are really freaky as far as criminal minds goes. Yeah, that like Greg totally was like on the Ipecac and civet oil episode. Like we know what this stuff is because we're weird people. I and astrology, (laughs) astrology will tell me so much, and people will be like, "Wow, Sarah, how did you know that?" And And I just have to be like, "Well, I like listen. I feel like this is taking a turn. This is how guys. It's it's ten. It's ten p.m. But." Uh, no, I, I don't mean like 10 p.m. I want to go. I mean like this is where my brain goes at 10 p.m. I'm like, and let's talk here. We were going to talk about only this right. one thing. But you're so fascinating. Um, So I love – I'm the person that will always pay at the carnival to get my palm read. I will always get a tarot card reading. Yeah. I love all of it. I believe all of it. I can make justification for all of it. So I believe in that. But I think that's so interesting and it's so – it makes sense, right? Like all these things – I believe in it. So if you don't, I guess – sorry, but – Sorry, you're not with the science yet, guys. I, I know that, that that's taboo to say that astrology is science. It's like, well, they are non like can I relative, tell you, like can I tell you a funny story about me? Um, about astrology. In college I needed to take uh, my undergrad, I needed to take an elective science and <laughs> I shit you not, Sarah. I thought I signed up for astrology and I fucking signed <laughs> up for astronomy. <laughs> so I failed it almost. Me it ruined too. my GPA. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> It's so hard. You have to know, like, cloud patterns and fucking – it was hard. It, things burn at a certain temperature yeah. and turn a certain color. I don't – I can't – I've never thought I would meet anyone that actually fell for – everyone's always like, are you an idiot? And I was like, no, I really thought I was going to be learning I, about my astrological sign, and I learned about fucking tornadoes, okay? I am not kidding. I know what a scene wow. is because of that class. Wow, that's an, this is the best day ever. <laughs> I don't feel so alone. Uh, no that's hilarious oh my gosh okay yeah i've I've only told that story a million times and no one's ever gone me too everyone's always like me too absolute idiot yeah um i'm glad that you weren't really good at it too i'm glad that we both kind of yeah almost failed. quantum mechanics came out of that baby did a book later (laughs) (laughs) not not me i'm here on a podcast and uh changing behaviors every day um Okay, well, I feel like if we don't wrap it up, we're going to start talking. You're going to, like, read my palms, and we're going to talk, like, ghost tours in Savannah. So we could go there on another day. We could. But I know I am in a very haunted, apparently a very haunted place now in Savannah. Um, Um, But, yeah, I love it. I 
love that. Yeah, and, and I just, I will. I will refrain because Savannah is one of those, um, I like to go to Savannah all the time. And, and if I can travel and afford to, that is one of the places to go. And there You've is been a, before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Cool. Oh, yeah. I love Savannah. If I could live many lives, I would live there. It's, I would live there. So we just moved here from Boston. I'm originally from New York. We lived in Boston. We just moved here. I, I lived here many years ago. I It's a whole cycle, whatever. Um, but we're back here now, and it's funny because it's so different. I kind of knew that because I had been here before. My wife's always like, what? What's happening? What's going on here? I'm like, it's not Boston, girl. It's not Boston. But if you ever come to Savannah again, yeah. We're going to go to the – There's a. there's a – Man, I'm so sorry. I forget the ethnicity, um, but they've got the best green curry uh, pho noodles, and oh, it is Savannah. on the corner there in Savannah, and it's like a downtown square. People and I know right the now corner. that are listening are like screaming the name of whatever that place right. is. Right, I have it. I know it in my head where I'm like, I'm in Savannah. <laughs> Go northeast, <laughs> three it. blocks, and I, I don't know. And the woman is she's so sweet, and she's always like, Oh, it's you, and I'm like, It's you, and we like have a moment, and I order the same thing, and I don't even know what it is. I just point to it, and it's the best. <sighs> So well, you're just miles from there. To I bet. be to, to be fair, you can drink on the street in Savannah, just like in Vegas. So you're probably drunk and just navigating. You know, that's what I do. Um, hey, but if I'm you ever come, following the weird architecture, yeah, for sure. So yeah, many. feeling the spirits. Yeah. Well, if right. you ever come, for sure, we're gonna do this in person. And I'm so happy that we had this conversation because it was a long day, and I was like, oh, it's nine thirty because I'm an idiot and I don't know time change, and we're in different places. But this is great. So tell everyone if they want to, um, I usually like let people know, like if they want to get in contact with you, how to do so. I'll link it all um, in the show notes. But if you want to tell people how, if they want to find out more about anything yeah. or anything, if you want to let people know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so for anybody listening, and I am looking for like a smart computer person that can help me build an app, just throwing it out there to the universe um, for research. But nice. uh, paranormalsarah.com for any of me and my personal things. And from there, you know, you can contact me and we'll go whichever direction you want, whether it's physics, whether it's metaphysics or whether it's forensic. Um, and I would, I would love to talk to whoever and wherever I oftentimes am traveling, doing like presentations and speaking. I mean, from things, spontaneous human combustion to the language of a psychopath. Oh so, my God. You're speaking right? my love language, which is awfully weird. <laughs> Use me as a filler, baby. Like call me up. Like anybody, if you have just money floating in the ether and you want to talk about it, like here we are, you've heard it now, it. you've heard it here. It's uh, Sarah and you can Google paranormal Sarah or go to paranormalsarah.com. Or the paranormal Sarah at Gmail. Perfect. Or Sarah with an H, everyone. Sarah with an H, the biblical Sarah. <laughs> I'm scaring the demons away. That's it was meant to be. So we will put all of that in the show notes for this episode. But I appreciate you and I'm so happy we had this conversation. And I'm so happy that I share someone that messed up in college like I did with astronomy. I can't believe that. <laughs> we are. We're so, it's a it's a twin flame thing Perfect. right there. Well now <laughs> I'm about to go spend hours researching my fire or water signs and all this stuff. So I'll let you know. But everybody Thank you so much, Sarah, and I hope that we do this maybe in person sometime. Absolutely. Cool. You bet. All right. Thank you so much. Good night, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to that awesome conversation with Sarah. If you guys have not checked out our amazing sponsor, Whom House, please do so. You can look on our bio of the show notes to find out more information. They are incredible. They put together awesome data trackers that you can track your hours. What more do you need? So check out Whomhouse on whomhouse.com and all their social media handles will be tagged in our bio. See you next time, guys. Mm-hmm.